0: When Moses led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, he learned the power and the love of God. Join me, Pastor Hook, as we learn lessons from the Exodus and God's great rescue. We are in episode 22 of our great study, Exodus, God's great rescue. Let's go through the plagues, if you can work through them with me. Um, we'll see if we can get to all nine. We're going to get to the 10th plague today, but let's see if we can get to the ninth plague. The first plague is the bloody knee. So that's blood in the Nile River in all the lakes of Egypt. The second plague is the frogs. The third plague is the the gnats. The fourth plague is the flies. And then the fifth plague is all the livestock surrounding you in a circle. And we, just, we know that's the fifth plague, is because of the Christmas song Five Golden Rings. So the the ring around you, the five golden, it's the fifth golden plague, right? That's the that's the midpoint of the plagues. So you've got the blood, you've got the frogs, you've got the gnats, you got the flies, and then you've got the five, which is the livestock surrounding you. Then we're gonna go to the sixth plague, which is boil. So It's that cauldron that's in front of you that's boiling. That's the cauldron. And then the seventh plague is the hail that's going into the cauldron to try to put out the boiling water. So you've got um, that. And then, so that takes us to seven. We have two more plagues. The next plague is locusts. Uh, The locusts come and just surround us all everywhere. And then the ninth plague is darkness. The lights go out, which is kind of a weird, I don't know if there's a better way to think of that darkness probably not all right so that's the that's the plagues up to now the nine plagues of egypt and if you remember that little thing you will never forget the nine plagues of egypt if you're ever on jeopardy and they say what are the 10 plagues or or bible trivia you know you go to a bible trivia and say hey what are the 10 plagues you know 10 commandments 10 plagues um that'd be good all right uh and by the way we will get to the 10 commandments In this study, because they're in Exodus, there's so much good stuff in Exodus. And we have just we are just scratching the surface as far as what chapter we're in. We're in what chapter 11. Um, We are doing great. All right. So um, now we're going to get into the 10th plague. So we're going to start reading Exodus uh, chapter 11, beginning with verse one. Now, the Lord had said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt after that he will let you go from here and when he does he will drive you out completely tell the people that men and women alike are to ask their neighbors for articles of silver and gold the lord made the egyptians favorably disposed towards the people and moses himself was highly regarded in egypt by pharaoh's officials and by the people so this is this is a little bit of an insight that we didn't know before and that is that the people, the Egyptians, actually were favorably disposed to the Israelites, to the Hebrews. And even the officials liked Moses and the people liked Moses. It's like this is just really you, you don't really realize this in the first 10, 10 chapters that Moses is actually a pretty good guy. And the people like him and they're, they like the, they like the, uh, the Hebrews, the, the Israelites. They're, they're not really angry with them. The problem is Pharaoh. And it's a pharaoh who's blinded by his own ego, blinded by his own desires. Most great leaders are more concerned about the people and the land and the people than they lead than their own ego. Like the whether or not they succeed or fail. I mean, they want the country to fail. I mean, they want the country to succeed. But it's more about the country and the people that they lead than it is about their own, um, you know, ego. Although. It's tied into it, right? The leader and the country are completely tied together. So at some point they are linked. But it's pretty interesting that the people were favorably disposed to the Hebrews and that they would be willing to give them articles of silver and gold. Who knew that? I mean, yes, when you leave, here's some gold, here's some silver. Best of luck to you. Have fun. Have a fun life. It was so nice to know you. Be successful that that's just that's a pretty amazing thing from the egyptian people all right we'll continue reading in verse 4 so moses said this is what the lord says so moses is in front of egypt or pharaoh i think this is what the lord says about midnight i will go throughout egypt every firstborn son in egypt will die from the firstborn son of pharaoh who sits on the throne to the firstborn son of the female slave who is at her handmill and all the firstborn of the cattle as well there will be loud wailing throughout egypt worse than there has ever been or ever will be again but among the israelites but among the israelites not a dog will bark at any person or animal then you will know that the lord makes a distinction between egypt <coughs> <coughs> sorry you will make a distinction between egypt and israel All these officials of yours will come to me, bowing down before me and saying, Go, you and all the people who follow you. After that, I will leave. Then Moses, hot with anger, left Pharaoh. So you don't really get this at the beginning of verse 4, but Moses is in front of Pharaoh because we see that at the end of this part. um, That Moses is in front of Pharaoh and he says to him, This is what the Lord says. About midnight I will go throughout Egypt. I will kill the firstborn and it's not just the firstborn of Pharaoh, it's the firstborn of the slaves, it's the first firstborn of the of the animals, and there'll be loud wailing throughout all of Egypt, worse than there's ever been. And then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. And then all of your officials come down and bow, bow before me. And then Moses, hot with anger, left Pharaoh. Probably because Pharaoh didn't respond, it doesn't show a response here, but that It seems like Pharaoh, that even under this, Pharaoh is not going to give in. And so this last plague is going to happen. It's not going to be pretty. We'll continue reading verse 9. The Lord had said to Moses, Pharaoh will refuse to listen to you so that my wonders may be multiplied in Egypt. Moses and Aaron performed all these wonders before Pharaoh, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let the Israelites go out of his country. So, it seems here that Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, these are the, these are the things that are going to happen. <coughs> oh, excuse me. And Pharaoh won't listen. Now, we haven't seen the rest of the story yet. So I don't know if, if there was a mini firstborn plague that happened in Pharaoh's household. I don't think so because Pharaoh would have then relented. But there's something that happens that this is a this is kind of strange. It's like he's going to and he's telling him, and then Pharaoh's heart is hardened and will not let the Israelites go out of his country, but it doesn't seem like it's happened yet. But it says he will. Moses and Aaron performed all these wonders before Pharaoh, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. So maybe they're talking about all the wonders, from plague one to plague nine. The Pharaoh, you know, the, maybe there's this discussion. It appears like there's this discussion between Moses and Aaron and Pharaoh. And He's like, look at all of the plagues that have happened. And now this is what the next plague is going to be. I'm giving you every opportunity. And Pharaoh's heart is hardened and he's not going to release the people, uh, release the Israelites. So it's gonna it's going to escalate. So we're going to go to chapter 12 and verse 1. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, this month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with the nearest neighbor. Having taken into account the number of people there are, you are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be one year old males without defect and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all of the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Now this is, God does this every once in a while. Like when he gave the instructions to build the temple. Or the instructions to build the ark. Sometimes God is very, very, very specific on how he wants things done. So now he is laying out to Moses and Aaron absolute specificity on how this is to happen. It says, this is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. So it's like the whole calendar is shifting now. It's like this event is begins your year. This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Then tell your whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, you'd have a lamb. So you're to find this lamb and then on the 14th day of this month, you're gonna kill the lamb and all of you are gonna kill this lamb at twilight. So it's now like, this is the the month starts now and then we're gonna wait 14 days and then at 14 days, we're all gonna kill the, the, the lambs at twilight. Now, what's interesting about twilight is that if you go back into Genesis, that's where the Jewish day begins. For us, time begins at midnight, and then we have a whole day. But in the Jewish community, the night at twilight is actually where the beginning of the day is, because when God created the universe in Genesis 1, he said there was evening, there was morning, the first day. For us, we think of the day beginning in the morning and then the evening of the day. Well, when you do that, you are thinking with Western thinking, Christian thinking, uh, Jesus thinking, because our day starts in the morning because Jesus was was raised from the dead in the morning. So that's the brightness of the morning. Like everything in the, in the Christian church resolve, revolves around the resurrection. So we completely change our whole calendar around the resurrection. The 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 we are in year 2021 and the reason why we're in 2021 is because it's 2021 years after Jesus and and we start the day in the morning because of Jesus. Our, our whole entire lives in Western culture is surrounded by Christianity, but in other cultures in Hebrew culture, the day starts at twilight. So you have twilight through the evening and then you have the morning, and then you have to twilight. So that's kind of how this works. Um, in, the, in the orders of the day at the monastery, they, there are different hours of the day that are kind of fun. There's matins, there's compline. One of my favorites is lauds. Lauds is right before sunrise. That period of time before the sun rises in the orders of the day is called lauds. And the monks would get up and they would praise God for the blessing of the new day day that it's about to come. And when I go out in the morning and it's still dark and I am spending time with God, that's my Lod's time. Um, That's how I order my day. But if you're Hebrew, God is telling them, this is it. You are supposed to slaughter them at twilight on the 14th day. This is kind of a ritual that you're going to follow. So... God goes on. We're going to start reading in verse 7. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and the tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roast it over fire with the head, legs, and internal organs. Do not leave any of it till morning if some is left till morning you must burn it this is how you are to eat it with your cloak tucked into your belt your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand eat it in haste it is the lord's passover so now god's telling them about how they're supposed to cook this animal they're supposed to not they're supposed to leave the head on and the legs on, the internal organs, are supposed to be there. Now, the organs is different from the stomach, right? The, you don't want the, you, you do wanna kinda pull out the stomach. That, the stomach can be very, very bitter and can ruin the meat, so you'd wanna make sure you pull that out. But the organs aren't necessarily in the stomach, the heart, the liver, the kidneys, and all that. That would still be available, or maybe they put it in there. Um, but the fact that you're supposed to roast it over a fire with the head on, I have this picture. I don't know if you've ever seen of a when they do a pig roast and they'll put the whole pig and they'll roast it on and then they'll cut it up and do all that sort of thing. This is this sounds, but it's supposed to be quick. Everything and you're supposed to have your cloak tucked in your belt and your sandals on your feet. It's like we're ready to go, Lord. We're gonna have one last meal and then we're gonna ready to go. Um, we'll continue reading, verse twelve. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. So this is the instruction from God about the Passover and if you'll remember when jesus was spending the last night with his with his disciples they were celebrating passover and jesus made a very big special deal about this a very very special deal that somehow this meal is important that this this sacrifice of the firstborn the lamb is tied into the passover of the of the angel of death in Egypt when the Israelites were living in slavery. And we will talk a little bit about this, probably tomorrow, um, about, the, about the correlation between the Passover and this, this Last Supper of Jesus because there are so many correlations. And if you really, really understand the Passover and what Jesus was celebrating, it kind of informs our theology about who Jesus is and what he did when he came to this earth. It was a rescue of us, but not from slavery in Egypt, but from slavery of sin. And that's what he did. And there's a, there's a tremendous amount of crossover between the blood of the lamb and the blood of Jesus, and the ritual, and the ritual, and and what we're being saved from, and it's just it's just a phenomenal thing, because God does rescue us. Um, he comes through with the blood as a sign, and He does not strike us dead. We are we are protected. In the Old Testament, you were protected by being in the family of God and the reason and the way you were in the family of God is that you were circumcised there was this covenant that happened between God and Abraham and he says as a sign of this covenant you're to circumcise all your all your males and so they circumcised the males and that's kind of what gets you into the kingdom is through that circumcision and this this group of people called the Hebrews these children of Abraham are in a tribe that is blessed and beloved by God. But it's it's not just that God loves them, but God says, I'm going to love you. He told Abraham, I'm going to be a I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to everybody else. And that's what that tribe does. And then Jesus, Jesus blesses his church so that the church can be a blessing to everybody else. That's that's one of the parallels that exists. And this Passover. Is the number one thing that happens to God's people that He rescues them out of slavery. And then Jesus rescues us out of slavery. And we will talk a little bit more about what that Passover is. Um, but let's just read a little bit more in verse 14. This is the day you are to commemorate. For the generations to come, you shall celebrate it as the festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. For seven days you are to eat bread made without yeast. On the first day, remove the yeast from your houses. Whoever eats anything with yeast in it from the first day through the seventh must be cut off from Israel. On the first day, hold a sacred assembly, and another one on the seventh day. Do not work at all on these days except to prepare food for everyone to eat. That is all you may do. I mean, this is is quite a an announcement from from Jesus that we're supposed to do this celebration and all this intricate detail of how this celebration is supposed to go. Let me just continue reading verse 17. Celebrate the festival of unleavened bread, because it was on this very day that I brought your divisions out of Egypt. Celebrate this day as a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. In the first month you are to eat bread made without yeast, from the evening of the 14th day until the evening of the 21st day. For seven days no yeast is to be found in your houses, and anyone, whether foreigner or native born, who eats anything with yeast in it must be cut off from the community of Israel. Eat nothing made with yeast. Wherever you live, you must eat unleavened bread. This is just, (laughs) why yeast? And why is that so important? And why can't they eat yeast? Of course, when you're growing up and you hear this story about the Passover, God's saying, okay, you can't have yeast because there's no time for the yeast to work. Uh, So you must be quick and ready to go. But this is like a seven-day period that he's like taking yeast out of the food. Now, one of the things that yeast does, if you've ever eaten food, bread, flour with yeast in it, is it rises and it creates a fluffy deliciousness that when you put butter on it is absolutely amazing. So that's all gone. It's like a hard cracker. It's a, it's a bread without yeast in it, which is a different type of food. So is this a punishment? Is this a fasting? Is this a, what's the lesson from the yeast? That's a good question. And uh, we will pick up that question tomorrow. Uh, when we finish this story about the last plague. So um, I think we'll go ahead and close in prayer. Gracious God, um, man, you're so specific on these instructions. Uh, We pray, Lord, that we follow your guide and your laws and your instructions as best as we can. Uh, Keep us ever in your grace through Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.